Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to the broad street hockey radio green room live post game my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening uh, i am uh i'm gonna be real honest with you here fam i didn't watch a whole lot of this game i saw overtime i saw most of the third period some of the first uh, my wife ava graham had an appearance tonight at a bar uh Callies, which was actually really good uh, it was a really cool bar, but I went with her to that. Uh, it was an Eagles pregame thing. I didn't see most of what happened tonight. From what I saw, um, I thought the Flyers looked decent early, maybe. It seems like they got dominated in a lot of the third. JVR, a couple of goals. That's always nice. Raise that stock. If you're really going to sell, maybe you can trick someone into trading for him with another year left on his deal. Doubt it, but who knows. Uh, Cam York, first career point. That's awesome. Good for him. Uh, he should – they cannot send him back. Can't. I, I don't care if he's not ready. Whatever excuse they make is nothing but an excuse. Uh, this season, whether they're giving up on it or not, is a lost season in terms of, you know, beginning of the year expectations. You now have to figure out, like, what the fuck you're doing going forward and figuring out what – you know, how Cam York factors into the future and getting him ready to be, you know, the guy at some point possibly, or if, if not the guy, you know, a major contributor. So it's, uh, you know, this season, I hate it, but it's got to be about evaluation at this point. Uh, it really pisses me off that Nick Sealer went in for Zamula tonight. But what are you going to do? Uh, you know, it is what it is. All right. I don't have a lot to say about the game. Of course, you know, these post games often uh, go in the direction of not so much about the game itself, but more so about the direction of the organization. As my dog tries to break into the room, he just wants me to open the door. There, see, I'm in here. Uh, so let's get started. Let's get to the calls. Let's lead it off with Harris Barnes. Harris, you're live on the post game. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about the uh, the game itself much, but with JVR, I mean, if you're going to trade him, not many teams are going to want that cap hit, um, and not many teams need additional forwards. So, I mean, I think the Bruins make sense. I think if you get DeBrusque back, who's a pending RFA, and then maybe take Halla's salary back, I think that that might work, and the Bruins probably need more scoring. Need, need, need another guy who can put the puck in the net, and uh, I think what Charlie, he, he talked about how DeBrusque might be a uh, 
fit for the Flyers in terms of their timeline. So, and DeBrusque asked out of Boston. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I don't hate that. Like, I, I think it's a long shot. JVR gets traded before the offseason. You know, even if they can cover so much of his salary, it's a whole nother year of a guy uh, at, a, at a high cap hit. So I, I think it's a long shot he gets moved. But it's still, uh, you know, it's something, something – it's on the table. If someone calls about JVR, they're not going to say no. Yeah, and um, I, I think the ironic thing with with Hurdle is if the Flyers were actually good, Hurdle yeah, would be would, a target. He would be a target, and, like, he'd be almost perfect on this roster. Yes. Yeah. He's exactly – a couple of weeks ago, you know, when it wasn't, okay, the season's over – Hurdle was a guy I was really like excited to at least be in on. You know, we, we could talk about how they're in talks or we could speculate like something like that would have been an exciting guy to bring aboard at the deadline. Yeah. And, and kind of going off on a tangent here, it's so life is so weird right now that it's, it's a little hard to be super enthused about hockey. Cause like COVID and all these games getting postponed and things being all over the place that like I love hockey, but it's so hard to like still try to follow everything when there's so much other stuff that's going on. It is, and just like from you know behind the curtain, what you know my life like, um, I give out hockey bets every day on my other job, uh, producing you better you bet, and like just trying to track who's in and out every night is so arduous. Like it makes you like, I want to give up. I want to be like after, after the break in February, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to this. Like I don't want to care about who's on the COVID list and all that shit. Like it's, it makes it less fun to follow. You're absolutely right. And uh, Bill, uh, before I go, is Colorado still your cup pick? Man, I love watching Colorado, but they are awful defensively. Like they have as much talent, as much scoring as anybody in the league, and maybe you can win a cup that way. Uh, but it—that's not recent history. Like you have to be able to win two-one games, and I don't think they can. It's why, like, you're spot on with the Justin Justin Braun to Colorado thing. It makes perfect sense. No, he and like even Martin Jones. Like, yep. there's a couple of teams that he c- could even use a Martin Jones. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be any team's like savior or anything. But if you badly need a goaltender, he's better than what you have probably. Yeah, like if you because everyone's saying flurry to Edmonton. If you get ahead on that, you're you're trading Martin Jones to Edmonton. You're getting a second round pick, which is really good value. Yeah, for a guy that you signed for what two million bucks for one year, like that's great. You you bought a pick, like that's awesome. That's that's good asset management. And Colorado's going for it so much now. Maybe they don't give up a second and third, but you could get a second also for Justin Braun. Oh, absolutely! Like the, we all know what Justin Braun is. I'm not going to pretend he's some sort of star, but a team that, like you said, is just all in, going for it right now. Now is the time. You would give up a lot for a Justin Braun to add to your blue line. Yeah, and it's it's crazy with Gossis Bear playing so well, at least offensively in Arizona. Oh, yeah. The Coyotes are actually gonna they're probably going to trade him to like Florida or something and get way more in return. They're not going to have to dump him. Yeah, after we had to dump them, it's it's a frustrating – the whole thing is frustrating, just like the direction this season took and then little things like 
I'm not going to sit here. I'm a huge Gossip Bear fan, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you I was banging the drum to keep him. I thought, yeah, it probably serves both parties for him to go somewhere else. But the fact that he's bounced back the way he has and he's going to, you know, fetch something for them, it stings a little. Yeah. Hey, thanks for uh, doing the post game spill. Really appreciate it. Have a good you night. You got it. Thanks a lot, Harris. All right. Okay. Yeah. Did hang up there. Uh, Stunk Beagle. Stunk, you're live on the post game. There you go. I hit the button. Can you hear me? I got you. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So I don't really want to say a whole lot here. I listen to the game on the radio as I do most nights. Um, but Tim Saunders and Coatsy really said it this time. He said, this is Frost's second or third crack, I want to say, in making the NHL. And he just isn't noticeable on the ice. I don't know what he's going to do when people get like start to get healthy because I don't know if he can stay in the lineup. That's I think you have to keep him in the lineup and like every now like right before his turnover in overtime tonight, he made a cross ice pass in the three on three that I was like, damn, it, it was gutsy to try it and he got it there and then he gets the puck back and then they go the other way. So like he's just not a he's not what we thought he was going to have if not. Even though he's not a star, like a little bit of star power to him, and he's not that, he still makes some good plays here and there. And uh, overall, I've liked what I've seen just as a guy to be in the lineup. But in terms of a piece to, like, build around going forward, no. He's just – he's a nice depth player for them. He 3C is what he is, and maybe a nice one when he comes into his prime and really figures out the NHL. But I don't think he's a corner sp- – cornerstone piece by any means yeah i agree i think there's you know there is glimpses of high-end talent we see here and there but just the fact that you know it's been a few years removed now since we've drafted him and we've seen guys like farabee and york fit into a role quicker than he and i know we've you know given him time and whatnot like we have some of our other players and you know guys like even couturier took a while to come around especially at a center position um but yeah, I agree with you. I'm not exactly sure if he's the one to he's a piece to build around yet. No, like if somebody if there's a move to be made whether it's for futures or for, you know, a youngish player that you can uh, more solidly fit in your lineup. Like if someone calls and wants Morgan Frost, you don't hang up the phone like you go, "Okay, yeah, we're we're absolutely listening to that." Like he, he's not someone I'm dying to, "Oh, he's got to be here." Like, no, he's he's a piece, he's a guy. I got gotcha. you. All right, thanks a lot, Bill. Appreciate it. All right, appreciate it. Uh, let's see here. Not a ton of calls tonight, so maybe we're going to wrap this up early. Uh Eagles are back on, so I understand people may be watching that game. Let's go to Nikki Hall. Nikki, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How's it going? How are you tonight, Nikki? Well, uh, I kind of saved my sanity a tiny bit by having two games on simultaneously. I had the Panthers-Hurricanes game since they're the next team we're going to be facing. And uh, needless to say, boy, what a difference. (laughs) Um, Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, the Panthers might truly be the – I can never say anyone's the best team when Tampa's still there. But damn, Florida mm-hmm. is Florida's one B, you know. Mhm. No, I definitely could see that. Um, but yeah, I think with Tampa Bay and Florida kind of just being neck and neck, like I'm looking at the standings right now, and it's literally between 
I, both Florida and Tampa Bay are tied with 51 points, but Florida, I think, uh, I don't know if it's because of the, the if, if Tampa's still playing or if, but because since, you know, Florida already played their game, I don't know if that's, I'm not sure how it all works, but in any case, um, yeah, I definitely yeah, and, say. And games played are just like all over the place in the league right now. Like mm-hmm. Boston has like four or five games in hand on everybody because they yeah. had some delays and stuff. So it's really mm-hmm. going to be a while before the to- like points totals match like points percentages and the standings mm-hmm. are like normalized. Oh, yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, yeah, as far as moving pieces, I mean, if. Nothing like I say this so much, it's might it might as well be a phrase, but like if nothing else, you know, aside of moving pieces, like you said, like trick some of these teams into getting guys like, you know, Yandel or like freaking guys that aren't really like putting it, giving it their all. Like some of the kids, I'm going to be honest, especially York and well, I mean, the, the, at least the noticeable ones, you know, York. Samoa, I think we could possibly get, like, I'm not going to say that they're, like, two of our best defensemen, but, I mean, they're solid for what roles they have, you know. Considering their age and experience, the fact that they don't look out of place, like, that puts them to me at the top of the depth chart, because what's the point of some of these other guys? Yeah, exactly. Um, But, yeah, like, all these, and I think think one of the first callers, one of the first couple callers had mentioned, like, it – at the same time, I can't really be too optimistic about the sports world because one, pandemic's still in place, and two, you know, we never know what game could end up getting postponed, and then it's just delaying in our, our inevitable fate of, you know, it being more of a lost season. I mean, I know um, one last thing uh, that uh, somebody on the broadcast from the Pens game on Thursday was like, how they were saying how like back at the Spectrum, how like. The Pens could never beat the Flyers. Now they would always have this joke like, you know, send the two points and we'll refund you your tickets for the bus and all this other crap. <laughs> and uh, and I was kind of thinking about it and I was like, you know what? Why don't we just give the teams the two points to just forfeit the season? Like, what, 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 what worse can we really get? Like, okay, you know, it gets us into some, what, of a draft position or a better draft position or you know, it, it it's it's aggravating to watch, but yeah, I appreciate it's. These. I feel you, yeah, Nikki, yeah. and thanks yeah. a lot. Uh, it's like really at this point, the season is about experience for guys like Frost and Farabee, young guys who might be here. Obviously, York, um, and yeah, it's it's really about evaluation from evaluating Mike Yo, evaluating what veterans. You want to keep because you have to have some veterans, uh, you know, like Hayes and Atkinson. Maybe they're the leadership group to see us through this next couple, you know, season or two of uh, an organizational direction change. Uh, you can't just put it all in the hands of the guys you think are going to be the difference makers a few years from now. You do need to have some vets to help them along the way. Uh, and those guys aren't. It's not like having Giroux and, and Voracek in their prime where having them on the roster like raises your ceiling or like raises your floor so that, oh, we're going to squeak into the playoffs and draft 16th again. Like I don't think guys like Hayes and Atkinson, while I enjoy watching them and they're good players, uh, when they're healthy at least, 
Um, I don't think like that's going to change the outcome of your seasons having those guys, but you got to figure out what vets are worth keeping and uh, you know, raising the stock of guys that you want to move on from like JVR again, maybe not till the off season, but you're going to want to trade JVR at some point. And, you know, we've been talking about G moving G uh, that's come up a lot more recently. It seems like a, a realistic possibility. And then dudes like Broussard and Braun and Jones, you got to get something for these guys. Like they're pending free agents who ain't coming back. You got to get something for them. Uh, and that's what this season's about now. Uh, Chris Krochak. Chris, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill. How's it going? How are you tonight, Chris? I'm all right. Um, so a quick question for you. We're talking about a lot about like uh, some of the young guys that we're trying to evaluate now. Uh, what do you think uh, is going to be the ceiling for a guy like Cam York? Because I know that – you know, he's, he's definitely uh, one of our higher-end prospects. And I was just thinking, you know, if he if he can even be like a top two or three defensive on the team, that, that might change the outlook of how they choose to rebuild. You know, like maybe it might make a guy like Provorov or Sanheim more expendable and you could clear some salary and, and maybe look, look in that direction. But I, I was wondering what your thoughts are there. York, I think, and like, listen, maybe he turns out to be a first-pair guy. Uh, but York, solid second-pair defenseman. Uh, like even like a good number three who really helps your power play. I think that's the ceiling for Cam York and you need those guys. Like you badly need, uh, I know it, it seems like we have so many second, third line players, second pair defensemen, but if, if York can be productive in that second pair role, like, uh, you know, chemo team and obviously awesome, but the way he was, power play second pair for like the 2010 team. If that can be what Cam York is, that's huge for you. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I kind of see that as a ceiling too. And, you know, you can never have enough defensemen in this league. Um, no, you need them badly. And like, look at what's going on right now. If, if Cam York has a ton of potential and he's on your second pair and, oh yeah, Ryan Ellis, he's out for, you know, however long, like it, you have York, you can bump up. That's huge. Yeah, no, just I was just wondering because I know I, I was reading some rumors that uh, they might look to move Provorov. Um, I don't know how credible those are, but I was just wondering if uh, if York might have any any chance to turn into a top pair guy. But I, I kind of agree. Um, my, my second question for you is um, what kind of value do you think Giroux could even get? Right. Do you mean do you think like we could get established prospects from him? Do you think it's going to be just picks mostly at this point? Oh, I think you would absolutely get. A big haul for Claude Giroux, especially considering, like, you can cover 50% of his salary and some team is getting Claude Giroux for, like, four and a half mil or whatever. Uh, I would cover as much of his salary as humanly possible, and I think you could get a team's number one prospect for him and more. Yeah, I tend to agree. And one last thing, I was just thinking of this the other night because I think we all kind of agree that it's probably more likely than not that he's going to get moved, but it's probably going to be the most Flyers thing of all time. He's going to get traded to, I don't know, like Florida, Colorado, whoever. He's going to win the cup. He's going to come back and re-sign here. And his whole legacy is going to be a whole career with the Flyers. And he's going to lift, lift the cup in a two-month stint somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, except his Why entire career with the Flyers, except for like two months yeah. in which he won the Stanley Cup. I am... I'm basically expecting that at this point for him to get moved, win, and come back. That's that's already happened in my head. <laughs> I'm just mentally preparing for it. I think that's that's exactly how this story goes. But uh, thanks, Bill. I appreciate you doing these, man. Oh, I appreciate uh, you joining me, Chris. 
Uh, Harris, I will get to you shortly, but let's get to some of the people who haven't been on yet. Uh, Matt, Matt, you're live on the post game. Matt, you're muted. Hit unmute, Matt. All right, Matt, we'll try to get you back up. Uh, let's go to Milwaukee. Drew, Drew, you're live on the post game. Hey, Bill, how are you tonight? How are you tonight? Uh, doing all right. I was just going to ask you, um, you know, just seeing how this game, you know, went that it was just like lifeless for, you know, two periods. And then the fact that the Flyers somehow managed to grab a two nothing lead. And then as only the Flyers can do, just found a way to give San Jose life. And before he knew it, uh, it was over, uh, in the blink of an eye. And I don't know how that happens yeah I, like watching like I, I admitted right away like I didn't watch a ton of this game but I did watch most of the third period it seemed like uh San Jose controlled most of the third period but the Flyers you know JVR scores what a minute six into the third uh they he gets the he gets the power play goal as well and it kind of seems like that's how this team again like they didn't win tonight but this is what they're going to look like in terms of like, they are just so mediocre. Yeah. They'll win. They'll pick up points. Even if they get outplayed, cause that happens in hockey, your goalie steals you a point here or there. You get lucky. You mm-hmm. have some efficient, you know, they scored on their only two shots of the third period at one point. Uh, like that's just hockey. You're going to get lucky. And that's basically how they're going to win games this season. They'll, they'll win a few, they'll lose a few in overtime. This is just who they are. Just the ultimate, they're better than bad teams. And that's basically it. They are the best of the bad team. They're the best. Yeah, that's that's such a great way of putting it. I was also just going to ask you a follow-up to if you, you know, had all the power in the world, I would say to identify what is the one single thing wrong with the Flyers and you were able to change and, you know, make this butterfly effect of sorts where everything would go right right after it. Like, what would you like – is there something like you could identify to be like, Nope, this is it. Like on the ice specifically a superstar first line center. Like they just need that guy who can take over a game. And like, I like, even if you're getting outplayed, he scored you two goals and you won because of that. Like you won four to three because your star. Because you, know, you have a you McDavid two. on your team. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I think right now, like, it's bigger than that, though. Like, if I could – they need – it's some sort of organizational cultural change where this constant mediocrity is not just called unacceptable, but when they say this is unacceptable, they go about not accepting it and they change things. Like, it's not like the Snyder way worked all the time. You know, like, you know, they – they went 50 years without winning a cup and Snyder was alive for most of that. Yeah, but he was man as bad as the Briz thing was uh-huh. and the way they handled Bob Rob, all of it was a mistake, but shit, I would love. Yeah. The goalie mm-hmm. situation in those playoffs in 2011 was embarrassing. So, you know, what we're going to do fix that problem. Now they fixed it wrong, but they <laughs> still like had, they still had a, a, like the organizational imperative to not let something kill them again. Like, I think just, I don't know, like there needs to be a person in the organization. I would think like, I don't know, almost like, I mean, is Holmgren like really retired? Like, is he out of, 
sort of like the day-to-day operations right now? It seems like um, he's not, you know, if Chuck Fletcher has a question, uh, he answers his phone or he's in the office or whatever, but I don't think he's like in on decision-making day-to-day. Right. I was just thinking like, yeah, as far as culture goes though, like I think, it seems like, yeah, this goes above Fletcher for sure. Like yeah. in the organization, I feel like there needs to be like a person that, you know, you know, development minors plus the general manager, plus all of that. Like this person only answers like to Dave Scott, like that kind of person. Like, yeah. Can and, just... they, and to that point, like I think we talked about on the last post game. Like, yes, the drafting maybe could have been better over these last five, six, seven seasons, but the draft is such a crapshoot. There's no way they just missed on this many guys. Like, yeah, you miss on some and you get unlucky sometimes, but there is a developmental issue at some point in this organization where you go, all these guys can't be nothing. Like, it's it's more than the drafting. It's It starts with, yeah, they need – and they're never going to sell. So I don't mm. – I try to shy away from this because I don't know how to address it because it's not something we can change. Like we can't force Comcast Spectacore to sell the fucking team. Like they just <laughs> won't. Yeah. Well, thanks, Bill. Uh, you know, it's great to have you here as always. Yeah, I've said that before, but, yeah, it's uh, it, it's always a pleasure. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to get on these more, as you can tell, because, uh, yeah, I'm like a diehard. I've been a diehard since um, the mid-'80s with this team, and it's just – it's this is uh, tough to watch, but we'll get through it. All right, thanks a lot, All Drew. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah, and like I said, it's – it's a sickness being a big fan of this team. If we could stop watching them, we absolutely would. Uh, but here we are, you know. <laughs> Here's an Eagles game tonight. We don't give a shit. We're watching them play San Jose on a Saturday night. We could be doing anything else with our time. Uh, let's go to – let's try to get Matt back on. Matt, there's an unmute button at the bottom, Matt, I'm told. Can you hear me? Come on, Matt. You got this. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right. Sorry, Matt. Maybe uh, maybe we can get you another night. Uh, Kyle Ghost. Kyle, you're live on the post game. Kyle, unmute. There Shit, you go. Sorry, I was talking to myself I got for a second. Yeah, I got you. Um, I do it all the time. Yeah, one of those things. But um, I might get reamed, you know, like in Reddit threads and, you know, by other fans listening to this. But am I the only one? Like, it's, it's hard to want to even watch the games at this point. Like oh, on the Pens 100%. game the other night. Yeah, like pe- watching the Pens game, and I was like, you know what? Instead of watching the Pens game, I'm gonna get drunk and play Red Dead for three hours instead. It's you know I can do better things with my time at that point. It seems, and I don't know, maybe you know, maybe for you, I'm not a true fan or something, but it's it's hard to want to watch and even pay attention to these guys anymore. No, I mean, it, it, you can be bad and still be entertaining. I, like 
they don't score. They don't do anything interesting. They're not an overly physical team. Like, they're not a fun team to watch at all. Yeah, no, not at all. It's just like, and even watching, you know, the San Jose game tonight, you know, just moving the puck up and down, you know, it's not dump and chase, but it might as well be with just how the boring style of player you watch any other team on the power play. Like you always say, you know, there's an intent of what they're trying to do on the power play. They just pass it around. And I was making the joke, cam to cam to cam to cam Atkinson to York. You know, it just seems like, you know, they have no idea what they're doing out there. It, It sucks. Yeah, it seems like instead of trying to, like, the power play, a lot of times it seems like they're waiting for the defense to make a mistake rather than, like, attacking them, spreading them out, and forcing a mistake. They're just waiting for something to open up rather than, like, we're going to attack and force them to make a decision, which will, you know, we have more guys on the ice than them. So eventually – we, if we keep attacking, we will create an opportunity. It seems like they're waiting for opportunities to present themselves a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. That's what it seems like. Instead of you know making them make the mistake and taking advantage of it, they're waiting for them to make the mistake. And you know these are pro NHL players, and they're not going to make a whole lot of mistakes, but they're not being pressured. You know, it just it is what it is. You know. And that's really uh, and thanks a lot, Kyle. Um, that's that's really like. It is what it is. I hate saying it because it's just a nonsense. It's a, if I were to say nothing, the sentence has the same meaning. But goddamn, the Flyers just are what they are. They are just this mediocre team. They are the best of the bad teams. Like, that's how I look at them. They are the 10th pick in the draft. That's what this team is. Uh, let's go to Harris, Harris Barnes. You're back on the post game. <clears throat> So um, I thought of some other points that uh, I hate, like, doing the whole hindsight thing because I think we do it enough. I do it enough. But do you think the, the 1920 season and, like, getting to Game 7 against the Islanders gave the management staff way too much, like, false confidence that they're closer to Tampa than they were? Because, like, if they just lose that Game 5 in OT or Game 6 in OT, but especially Game 5 – they would be like, okay, we actually have to make more changes because we're further off. Yeah, I think the uh, like the run they went on January to March, which now we can like that's the most entertaining hockey they've played in a long time. But now we can look back and go, that was an anomaly. That was everything working out right, everything just falling into place, and they looked the best they've looked in a long time. Mm-hmm. And then coming out of that after the break. And winning the, uh, you know, that uh, the pre-playoff tournament bubble, whatever it was. I think all of that combined, uh, along with getting to game seven in the second round, like raised the raised the expectations of the organization. Like, yeah, absolutely made us overvalue everything, I think. And um, and I remember back on the BSH um shows at the time so one of the free agents that was out there that summer that just sat forever because no one had money was Duclair and I remember Charlie making the points like yeah yeah he would make some sense um just for depth scoring purposes but the team the management was so complacent they didn't want to add a guy who only cost 1.7 million and I remember people were saying oh he's just all offense he doesn't do anything else well let's look at Duclair's career he played on two dog shit teams with the Coyotes and Senators, and then he played for Torts, where Torts 
wants his guys to play an exact way. And when you don't play that exact way, he just reams you to the media. So we like Duclair would have been a perfect ad for a team like the Flyers to add that extra offensive piece as like an insurance option. And look what he's doing for Florida. Florida didn't even need him. And he's a monster. Like, he's making three million a year and he's worth like six. Yeah, and that's like I really hate there's just this thing in hockey. You can be a one way player, but it has to be defense. Like just put the like use the guy, have a coach who knows what he's doing, shelter his minutes, use him on the power play, and like get the most out of that offense. You can't win zero zero. Games will never end that way. Like you have to score at some point. It drives me nuts. Oh, well, he's just all offense. You need fucking offense. Like, somebody has to score at some point. Having one of those guys on your third line is a big deal. Like, if the top two lines, like in the playoffs, everyone's got good players in their top six. Tampa Bay has had this top six forever. It's when they all of a sudden had an awesome third line that they start winning every year. Yeah, and um, and I remember the talk of that offseason because it was like an insanely long pause and then before the class, like people were talking about free agency and Hoffman was a guy that was talked about and Duclair was as well, but like Hoffman, people, everyone wanted to stay away from him because he, he get, gets overpaid for being doing nothing in his own zone and Duclair was a guy who was severely underrated and underpaid because like of a bunch of BS things that Torts and other people in the, the media said. And I don't know. It's just interesting. Also, does it pain you to watch the Avalanche and watch uh, Rantanen and Makar and think they could be Flyers? Oh, it just hurts so bad. Instead, you got like Provorov and you can't fault the pick too badly on Provorov, but he's like he's a two or three at best. And then you just have the bad luck with with Patrick. Like imagine if you have Rantanen and Makar on this team. It's 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 horrible. Like it really like I love watching the Avalanche just because they are that all offense fun as shit team. We can drop seven on you at any single night. But yeah, either of those guys could be flyers. And fuck man, like Gabriel Landiscog sat in free agency how long this offseason? But you yeah. know. Uh yeah, woulda coulda shoulda. It would be nice to have any one of those guys, let alone all three of them. And then they're not even the best player because you have goddamn Nathan McKinnon. Like it's it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think Randon's the most underrated in this league. He yeah. doesn't play in the Northeast. He doesn't play in Canada, and he's behind McKinnon and McCarr on the small Western U.S. team. He's the most underrated in this league. He's like on a hundred and ten point pace. It's insane. Yeah, they're uh, they're ridiculous. And and you talked about uh, and Nolan Patrick just got a point tonight, so go figure. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. Lineup. Uh, like I'm watching the Chicago Vegas game right now. Um, like you talked about how the media said before the draft, Oh, he's the most NHL ready player. That actually doesn't make sense. Cause he, he played like 33 junior games that year, like yep. hurt the whole season. Like he was not the most pro ready player. McCall, yeah. They just thought like, he's already got a man body. That was basically like NHL ready means he's big. That's and, all they thought. Like McCarr stepped out of college, stepped into the NHL playoffs and was very good. And, and Patrick was the late birthday in his like his 17 yeah. year old year was really good. And people just thought, oh, the injuries will take care of themselves. He'll be fine. Actually. So Makar, like Makar, that's just something that like he developed in Colorado, got a little bit lucky there. The most NHL ready player that draft was Pedersen because he played yeah. in the Osvenskin and was dominant. 
the dominant player. So yeah, and McCarr, I think it was he spent another year in college. It's not like he yeah. came right out. Yeah, but still, like yeah, you're looking at you had star level players in that draft, and it was just like yeah, he's Shearer Patrick. That's it. Like or <laughs> the three guys after them. And I think in that it's such an interesting look. Like you'll look in the off season when you have more time. I think that draft and a couple other drafts are changing the way people look at scouting. And, and like development path and development route and just like people, how people look at stats and how they look at, and Patrick just screams like a guy is he grew up in the hockey family. I, he just screams like a guy who, if he didn't grow up in the hockey family, he's not playing hockey. He just happened to yeah. be really good. And he was in the family of NHLers. So he's just like, well, I'll just do this. He, he never screams like he doesn't have that eye of the tiger, that, that edge that Brad Marchand has. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Harris. Thanks a lot. Uh, and it's like, it's, um, what do I want to say about Patrick? Like, and we, I don't want to spend too much time on Patrick because it's over. He's gone, but I'm always going to talk about him because it's something that happened. Like, instead of looking at a player with, okay, you know, Pedersen, yeah, does he have holes in his game? Sure, but he's got elite level scoring ability. Like, instead of looking at a guy with one or two elite level abilities, and going, well, if he develops a third, then he's a superstar. It's like, well, you know, we want a guy who's good, who's decent at everything. Well, then you have a team of Scott Lawtons. And you know what wouldn't ever win anything? And I love Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton has a – he can play for my team any day. But you can't just have those guys. Sometimes you have to take the chance on, yeah, players got some holes, but – he does one or two things better than 99% of the league. It, it's good to have somebody with one or two elite talents. Uh, let's see here. Warren Brody. Warren, you're live on the post game. Hi, Bill. How you doing? Uh, I was at Warren. the game the game tonight, and I think I tweeted to you that a lot of empty seats. Interesting. Um, yeah, and, like, there's – I mean, they're horrible, but also like everyone was horrified of the traffic with the Eagles game. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of circumstances, but if the Flyers were the least bit watchable, people would put up with anything to go see them. I wouldn't yeah. want to go tonight. Like if I had tickets, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. I was impressed with uh, Cam York tonight, uh, and I wasn't really sure, but you know, before tonight, but watching him tonight, he looks like a, he's going to be a good player. Considering uh, just, his just, age and experience, he's a he's got the poise and like he just does little things well. And I always said about Couturier, yeah, the scoring like when Couturier was just the third line center, it, I always thought like guys have to be taught to do the little things. Yeah, uh, and, but he already does them, and I th- yeah. I feel the same way about York. Yeah, I noticed that the coach loves. I'm not even sure what which line is the first, second, third, or fourth tonight, but if he was using all four of them, uh, another another comment I w- I wanted to make was uh, Ristolainen on the second goal got totally out of position chasing the puck, and uh, you know, you, I don't I don't know about him long term, but we'll, I, I guess we'll I see. I like I like Ristolainen in the lineup. I would want to use him less, but. Uh, you know, as a pending free agent, I would really be looking to move him. He's not a six million dollar player. He's not. Oh offensive. God, no, no, not that's offensive, a- not offensive at all. And he's he's making five point four million now. He's going to be looking for bigger dollars. There's no way we 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 can do that. 
No, it, like, and if this team was better, uh, you could, and not at the price tag he's out now, but you could justify keeping Ristolainen and if this team was better and you just want to keep things together and he's a guy you can put in your lineup and play him anywhere and that's good. But, like, his scoring has dried up entirely. Maybe they're telling him to concentrate less on offense. But this is a guy who's put up numbers offensively, granted, in Buffalo where someone has to score and he played a lot, so it makes sense that he got some – You know, some you know I, hear that, I hear that Edmonton's looking for a goalie. I'm wondering if the, they can move Martin Jones to Edmonton. I think uh, Edmonton or Colorado are perfect landing spots for Martin Jones. Because he, he, he was good tonight. I mean, they had a lot of shots, and he was really cutting the angles down well. And really, the, two, the goals he gave up weren't really his fault. They were just He's bad. a solid goaltender. Yeah, yeah. I have to give Fletcher uh, pride. I'm, I'm not a big Fletcher guy, but he that was a good move. Looks, looks like. Now, I was very skeptical because he hadn't been good for a couple of years in San Jose. I hated the move at the time, but he's been he's been exactly what you want out of a backup goalie. Yeah. Do you think the Flyers will ever win another game this year? I hope not. <laughs> it would be great. No, it would be great. Like, fuck, we need the first overall pick. It would be great if they didn't I, win another game. If they, if they can get a top five pick in, in this year's draft, I don't think they can F it up. I think they, from what I can see, there's like 10 or 11 really good players. And maybe even well, they, more than that. Maybe even more than that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, we'll hopefully with what they do for the rest of the season, combined with the assets they hopefully accumulate between now and the deadline, they can be up there in the draft and basically get whatever they want. Take care. Have a good night. All right, take it easy, Warren. Thanks a lot. Uh, let's go to Nikki Hall. Nikki, you're back on the post game. Honestly, in regards to like um, some of the, you know, while we're talking about uh, other players, like another one of my personals is like, you know, I kind of figure like, what about? I feel like he's kind of an underrated guy. I mean, in a sense, like guy like Sebastian Aho. Like, could you imagine a guy like him on this team? Imagine anybody who can score a goal on this team. Well, I mean, aside of Atkinson, obviously. And yeah, yeah. JVR, but yeah, no. Uh, Sebastian, Ajo, I mean, listen, yeah, it would be nice to. It would just be nice to have gotten lucky on literally any draft pick other than Carter Hart. I mean, I have nothing against Hart. I mean, I, I definitely see him. No, as it's goalie. a great, it's a great pick. Carter Hart mm-hmm. in the second round is a fucking tremendous pick. But when Yes, it's the most important position, and we've been dying for the goaltender. But when mm-hmm. that's all you get out of the Hextall era, like, it, it stings. It really, yeah, it does. And, you know, I really kind of hope that whoever the next GM that came in would, like, like, I don't expect them to make a massive splash on, like, you know, big names right away, you know. But in the same, th- that also being said, you know, you gotta make some kind of like even if like even for guys that are kind of more on the underrated side like some of like I can't really name players off the top of my head but like you know those type of guys that like you know they can score they're like 20 30 goal scorers or you know defense you know they're they throw their body around they can score they can block shots they can you know they get the job done um you know no like and thanks a lot Nikki like you get a the like the Blake Coleman's of the world, those third line, those you know, and he's better than a third line player, obviously. But 
you need the depth. You need your depth to contribute. Getting lucky with those uh, later draft picks, uh, getting lucky with, you know, uh, pickups like Pittsburgh with Evan Rodriguez. You need that sort of, uh, like, whether it's savvy to, you know, see value in a guy or just plain luck, you need it to take the next step in this league because it's not just about your, yes, the Flyers badly need star level players, but it's not just about those guys. Like, look at Edmonton, um, look at Tampa how they took that next step to become that championship team. Like you need those depth players who overperform their role in the lineup. Not like, Oh yeah, they're nice third line players. Like, no, he would be on a lot of second lines, but we have him on our third and that makes us a very good team. You need those guys. Uh, Chris Mainz, uh, Chris, you're live on the post game. Hey Bill, how's it going? How are you tonight, Chris? Oh, doing okay. Um, I feel like I want to express because nobody has mentioned it yet tonight. Was I the only person that was actually happy uh, when the Sharks scored in overtime? Because I just, in my head, I went, thank God they didn't get that point. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, in the big picture, yes, you're right. Like I just said, I hope they don't win for the rest of the season. Like when it's happening, when you're sitting there watching the game, when a Philadelphia Flyer takes a shot, I want it to go in the net. Uh, but, yeah, big picture-wise, it's better for them not to win and not, like, delude themselves into thinking they're in the playoff race or, you know, oh, if we get some guys back healthy and some things break our way. No. The, the problems are much bigger than that. Winning only masks them and kicks the can down the, get down the street a little longer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just interested to see what happens the rest of the way and if, uh, if Giroux gets dealt at the deadline. Um just kind of hoping that he goes somewhere and has some success because I'm looking at a frame jersey of his on my wall and he'll be the best flyer I've ever had the opportunity to watch besides Lindros and just hoping, just hoping. And uh, that's about all I got, Bill. See ya. I appreciate it, Chris. Yeah, I mean, we're all going to root for Giroux. Uh, I did say after um, after teaming and one with the Blackhawks and after watching uh, Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley, with the Dodgers and rooting for them because I love them. I did say I was done. Uh, I'm done rooting for former athletes of this town to, uh, to win elsewhere, win here or don't win. I don't care. Um, man, I'm going to root for Claude Giroux. I really am. If Claude Giroux goes to the Rangers, I'm going to root for Claude Giroux. If Claude Giroux goes to the Leafs, I'm going to root for G. If he, wherever he ends up, I will break my rule and root for Claude Giroux. Uh, last call of the night, Adam Bortz. Adam, you're live on the post game. You're wrapping it up for us. Hey, Bill. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you uh, on Giroux. Absolutely, he deserves to win. But like, yeah, like he just, you know, he earned it. He earned. Yeah. He's put up with this shit as long as we have. He's been here yep. this whole time. Yep. But for a second there, let's just say he goes to the Rangers. Can you picture him in that Broadway no, no. blue? Like, that makes me want to fucking fall over and throw up. <laughs> Especially uh, Just thinking about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I started thinking about it the other day because oh. I'm just looking looking at the different teams that are in it and everything and thinking about Lindros going there. Like, it did cross my mind. And, like, I cannot – 
I can't picture him in any jersey, but like <laughs> the only thing that would be worse would be a Devils jersey. That would be the worst thing imaginable. Thank God they're terrible. Uh, but man, the Rangers is tough. Yeah, I mean, I was I was trying to do that actually in my head tonight when I was watching that barn burner of a game. <laughs> uh, where two players scored all the goals for both teams. Uh, you know, and I just, I cannot picture him in another Jersey. Um, it's weird to think about. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many points I want to make and I'm kind of tuned up. So just cut me off whenever you feel like it. But, uh, I think, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the conversation Charlie had with Justin Braun a couple of days ago during his media availability. And he asked Justin Braun, you know, you've been on teams before where you've had to battle back some good teams, the Sharks team. Like, what was the difference? And, like, how did that veteran leadership inspire you guys to come back? And Justin Braun said, well, you know, and it's guys like Jumbo Joe Thornton, right? You talked about accountability and it doesn't seem like over the past, I don't know, 10 years, there's really been much accountability for these guys underperforming. Like who holds them accountable? That's I, we, we joke all the time and say like somebody, whether it's the general manager, the president or whatever it is, somebody will say, this is unacceptable. And then it's completely accepted. Nobody <laughs> does anything. Yeah. Nobody does anything about it. I'm like, this yeah. is the opposite of unacceptable then, because it was just completely accepted. Right. <laughs> like they've, you know, oh, it's unacceptable to quit on the coach. Yeah, they quit on Elaine Vigneault. We fired him. Like, yeah, Vigneault wasn't helping, and you move on from a coach when they're in the situation they're in. But mm-hmm. it wasn't his fault. Like, it's not his. Like. You know, yeah, exactly. fuck him. I don't care about Elaine Vigneault, but it's not like it's his fault they suck. Sure. He wasn't telling them to stand still. Regard, reg, no matter what his strategy is, his philosophy, I guarantee at no point was he like, all right, on breakouts, our wingers are going to stand stationary at the point. Like that or, wasn't – I guarantee that's not what he was telling them to do. Or be at the other team's blue line the second yeah. they touch the puck. Yeah. And completely leave the zone. Right. Leave I, our defenseman who can't handle the puck alone in the zone with the puck. Like exactly. I guarantee that's not what his strategy was. Exactly. Exactly. So like if you're Dave Scott and you start to think about who's accountable for this, I guess the next man up from the coach would be Chuck Fletcher. So what kind of a leash do you think Chuck Fletcher has? Because he seems very comfortable in those press conferences. That he, he does seem very comfortable. So what what kind of leash does he have? And like to be honest, I don't really know that much about NHL GMs. But as we start to embark on this rebuild, if it's not Chuck Fletcher, who else is in there that that is like capable of putting this rebuild together? Who would you want in there? Like I just don't know enough about NHL GMs, I guess. That's I would love for them to go with some like progressive number crunching nerd. Uh, everybody talks about uh, Dr. T, uh, mm-hmm. Eric Tulski in, in Carolina. That would be cool. I okay. just I think uh, I think Chuck Fletcher. If I think we evaluate him from here, like if he does a good job mm. in terms of creating the type of value that you need when they eventually sell. 
then maybe he does earn himself the opportunity to at least begin the rebuild. But as right. of now, like we're in this situation because he put all his eggs in this basket the last few years and they haven't gotten any better. So <laughs> you're really tr- like, okay, this is my plan. This is what we're going to do. And then it's all right. Well, we're still fucking mediocre three years later. Right. Uh, so and like you one trust side, him, but it's, one I guess the evaluation brain. starts now. One one side of my brain says, yes, absolutely, I I agree with that. The other side of my brain is like that that basket that he put his eggs in, we haven't really seen yep. the full yep. incarnation of that basket. So I'm like really torn. Like, yeah, he kind of got us in the situation, but we also didn't get to see what he put together at the same time. So I'm like – should he stay? Should he go? I, I don't know. But the last point I want to make, and I'll, I'll end on this, is uh, going back to that Heischer Patrick draft. I feel like this comes up like three times on every post game. This draft haunts me at least like once a week. I think about it and just get irrationally pissed off. Like I'm on a work call and I see one of the five guys drafted after Patrick, and I just get so fucking angry. <laughs> Like it's, it's like at least like in 07, the Flyers get fucked. They only win 22 games. They get the second pick. They yeah. can't get Patrick Kane. And like, yeah, he scores the overtime game winning Stanley Cup goal against you. But they weren't able to draft him because the team ahead of them took him. So right. it's not like they passed. They passed on these guys. Like yeah. Kale McCarr is on pace to score like 40 something goals. Right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and there's two other – even if you don't get him, there's Pedersen and Heiskanen who are both awesome. Yeah, like, I know. Uh, I know. And apparently – apparently, I don't know this for a fact. It's just hearsay on Twitter. But apparently that was the target that was overridden to get the Brandon Wheat King freaking Nolan yeah. Patrick, you know? And – uh I, I think, and this is the last thing I'll say, is the thing that I cannot stand when I look at Nolan Patrick, and I think this problem's also infected a lot of the rest of the Flyers. I said this last year, is that he just doesn't hate losing. Like when you look at him on the ice, he's like totally cool with not winning. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, like from from the big picture of games to the small yep. like. A puck the details. Yep, like, exactly. A, a puck. Like, honestly, the best thing I've seen out of the Flyers in the last two weeks was Joel Farabee losing his shit in the hallway. Like, yes. at least he fucking cares. And it's a little stupid thing that may or may not matter, but I want to see one guy who's as mad as I am. Yep, exactly. I, I love that. I love to see that out of Farabee and uh, super happy. But uh, all right, Bill, go Birds, right. and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. All right, appreciate it, Adam. Uh, and we're going to wrap up there. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. As Is this Zeke breaking off a big run, or is that Corey Clement again? Uh, yeah. Well, regardless, uh, this game's coming to an end, so who cares? Um, all right, yeah, that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, blah, blah, blah. You know the deal. Broad Street Hockey, wherever you find podcasts. My name is Bill Max. Until next time, have a great week, everybody.